0: Okay, and welcome everyone to another episode of In the Huddle. After a little hiatus, we are back, and we have a little bit of a new look show for you guys today. Football season is over, unfortunately. We are making our way towards the off season, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of things to talk about. And I am here today with my guy, the real Will. Episode ninety three of In the Huddle. Here we are, Will. How we doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. We was off on a little hiatus, like you alluded to. Um, this is a new look program right here that we have for the next couple of episodes, that is, until uh, our co-host Kenny C gets back in the huddle, obviously. In the light of a pandemic, he's working hard out there with his job. So, you know, right now, it's a little bit hectic for him and his schedule, but he'll surely be back at some point, especially when we get closer to the NFL drive. But nevertheless, me and Zach is gonna continue to do what we do, which is Keep It Real. Obviously, if y'all watched the show before, y'all know me and Zach can be in the light of some highly intense debates. So this is going to be interesting with just me and Zach and nobody else. Nobody here to save the day on either side. It's just me and Zach, and we're going to give y'all some great content. Let's get it.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny, man. You know, of course, uh, the only two people that are able to do the show, of course, it had to be us two. I don't know about you. I'm super excited. Let's get to it. Yes,
1: sir. And I just want to say this before we get into the topic because this is going to transfer us into our first topic that we have here. Um, Right now, Cam and Kenny C is not here for me to give them their receipts that I surely was looking forward to, because I've been saying for the longest that Tom Brady, number one, is the GOAT, that the Buccaneers will win the Super Bowl. And sure enough, that happened. And look, I did my fair shares on social media getting my receipts. Tom Brady did as well today when he posted that little hype video that he posted um, showing Max Kellerman and Shannon Sharp, all them beloved Brady haters, proving them wrong. So check that out on Tom Brady's page.
0: But nevertheless, let's get into the first topic. Yeah, so starting off our show, let's get right into it. The Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win their second championship in franchise history as they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And my question for you is, how much credit should go towards Bruce Arians for the Super Bowl? That that win, he, look, I think he did a really good job with it, leading that team back. Uh, what are your reactions to the game, along with uh, how much credit should go towards Bruce Arians for the Super Bowl victory?
1: Well, I guess we can, you know, break it down to two parts. First off, with the reactions, and then I guess with the second part, if you want to go first, I'll follow that up. But with the Super Bowl itself and my reactions to the game, I partially alluded to it on the Will Lil Show, and I said this. I said that the Kansas City Chiefs, they took an L before the game even, you know, transpired. And what I mean by that was when I heard that Eric Fisher was going to be out, um, left tackle, obviously Patrick Mahomes is three and three with him being out. I said to myself, yeah, that's the wreck. The game is over. Not because I was making excuses for the Chiefs. I'm a Buccaneers guy. Well, I'm a Tom Brady guy that follows Tom Brady wherever he goes. But I know that the Buccaneers, they can win in the trenches. And if you want to be the team like the Kansas City Chiefs, you got to dominate the trenches. And I knew that even with Fisher there, they were still probably going to be able to dominate the trenches. But with him not being there, that was the wreck of the game right there. And it showed. I mean, they did not give no help at all. Patrick Mahomes, they were playing backyard football, which pretty much that is their style. That's what won them the championship last year. But at some point, you got to stop playing Frisbee out there in the football field. and you got to run the football, make it conservative, a concerted effort to win the ball with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you know Pat Mahomes is in the pocket, winning for his daggone life, just tossing the football f- down the daggone football field, trying to make Houdini, trying to make a Houdini play, and it wasn't going to happen. Um, obviously, people talk about the penalties, people came with the excuses, well, case I ain't know, the Chiefs are one of the more aggressive defenses in the league which results in a high volume of flags throughout the year, top five in flags. So obviously when you dealing with referees, and this goes for all sports, boxing, football, you have your fair shares of different referees. Some is passive aggressive, they won't throw flags. Some or more aggressive that will throw flags as well. So look, at the end of the day, say what you want about the flags. There were flags, all right? I thought probably one call was bad. But other than that, man, the Buccaneers, they, you know, they wrecked the game from the defense and it allowed Tom Brady to do what he do, which is win
0: and become the GOAT. Well, what he was the GOAT, but you know. Yeah, one thing I'll say, man, is my main takeaway from this game was this was the first time where I watched Patrick Mahomes play and I just saw in his eyes that he knew his team wasn't winning, man. Like he was not confident at all and I was able to tell towards the end of the first half really when Tampa Bay went into the locker room with all the momentum. I wanted to give not only Tom Brady but the whole Buccaneers squad some credit because as you and I both know, Will, I was not a Bruce Aarons believer and I'll admit when I was wrong because he really did prove me wrong. He had Tampa Bay ready to play each and every game of the playoffs and as for Tom Brady, we alluded to, it, uh, alluded to it before the Super Bowl, but the fact that he won it, I mean, what could we really say, man? This guy coming to Tampa Bay, a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 15 years and immediately coming and turning around a 7-9 and nine team into a Super Bowl champion, and he comes in, brings in Antonio Brown, brings in Gronk, and now guess what? Every other free agent is going to want to play with Tampa Bay, and I think that when we see Tom Brady on the uh, boat drunk out of his mind tossing the Lombardi trophy over to Gronk that is a likable version of Tom Brady that i think not a lot of people have seen before and for me as just a pure football fan it's it's pretty cool to see you look at the new england patriots right now bill belichick's a great coach i get it but there's no system tom brady is the system no one wants to play in new england anymore now everyone wants to come to Tampa Bay. So I'm just still so impressed by the Brady effect and how much it is rubbed off on the Bucks franchise.
1: That's a great point. Um, you see, Bruce Aries keep alluding to this point. He allowed Brady to be himself. When Brady, the reason why Brady have a lot of haters, obviously I'm far from one of them. You know, I always debate for Tom Brady. That's my guy. But the reason why Tom Brady have a lot of haters other than him always winning is because they don't see that side of Tom Brady that is fun. They always seen that serious guy who partially could be a little cocky here and there, throw little cocky favors. But that was the Patriot way. When Tom Brady came to the Buccaneers, you saw it from Jump Street. Before the season even start, he was on social media more, you know, showing himself on social media, becoming his presence taking advantage of what some greats in the past didn't have like a Joe Montana. He didn't have social media. Um, Dan Marino, he didn't have social media. So Tom Brady was like, before I depart, I already won championships. I'm going to have fun in this process. And that's exactly what I seen Tom Brady have fun out there. I watched his highlights last night, do the football field. I mean, throwing down the the ball down the football field. I'm looking at his highlights. I'm like, this look better than, almost right up there with the 2007 Tom Brady, you know? And and that's what Bruce Arians allowed him to do. And I think moving on to the second part of the question that Bruce Arians should get some respect. He should get more than what he's getting. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the Buccaneers winning this championship, because when you think about it, he installed these guys, like uh, Brian Lettrich on the offensive coordinator side. He the one that wanted to be diverse when everybody was going one way. He said, you know what? I'm not hiring based off color. I'm hiring based off knowledge. And if you can help my team win, no matter if you're black, white, yellow, or purple, you're going to coach for me. And I think that was a step. That was a blueprint that, all right, these guys are great minds. Um, Todd Bowles and Byron Lettridge. So I'm going to put them in positions where Byron Lettridge calling the plays and Todd Bowles calling the plays defensively. To put on a showcase, a showcase in the Super Bowl, and that's exactly what happened.
0: Zach are you there? Yeah, dude. And one other quick Oh yeah, yeah. Um could you hear me? Okay, my audio is a little messed up. But um what I was going to say was in regards to Brady, one other thing, man, you remember when the Patriots were out here winning Super Bowls during the parade, Bill Belichick would always be like chanting at the crowd, no days off, no days off, like right to work, that same mentality. Now you see t- uh, Tom Brady during his parade, he's and beers, he's drunk off his mind. And as you said, he's having a fun time. And as you said, with Bruce Arians as well, man, he deserves credit. I really didn't think he was going to be able to do it. Um, you know, the team, had its struggles throughout the season, but it is how you deal with adversity which makes you champions. And the Buccaneers were able to deal with adversity in a really nice way. It wasn't e- easy, and they were able to get the job done, and I give them a lot of credit. One
1: more point that I want to make about Bruce Arians and why we should give him a lot of credit. Obviously, the Tom Brady effect, we all know that that was the main reason why they won the championship, because they had talent on that roster last year, but they didn't have the leadership they didn't have Tom Brady's efficiency within that no risk it, no biscuit offense. But the reason why I give Bruce Arians credit is because he didn't totally abandon that no risk it, no biscuit. What he did was compromise, not totally abandon it, right? It wasn't extinct. What happened was instead of going, taking these shots down the field and throwing the football deep, they decided to go short to deep, run the football, play action, throw in the little screens, then take your shots down the football field instead of just taking these shots with no established running game. And when you look at it, a game against the Vikings, they were up 14-6 going into the half. They got the ball with 40-something seconds left. Instead of them being content in a must-win game that they needed to have, they said, you know what, uh-uh, we're going to put some points on the board. And they got – Tom Brady was able to throw a Hail Mary LeGronk, get a P.I. call, that was all to the field goal. Now you're talking about a two possession game instead of a one possession game against the Packers. Another team right there. The famous Scotty Miller play. All right, you're, you're up by uh 14 to 17. You up 14 to 10. Excuse me, 14 to 10. You, and Davis just got an interception midfield. Everybody's thinking field goal. Everybody's all right. Get you three points, 17-10. You going you going to halftime? Three points. Where they do that at? We ain't doing that here. That famous Scotty Miller pass that leads you to go 21-10. Now is a two-possession game. Super Bowl, before halftime, they get the ball with less than a minute left. They run the ball, right? They get stopped. And Andy Reid decides to call a timeout. That was a play of the game because it's like it's, le- it's about 40 seconds. What are you going to do with 40 seconds when you don't have an offensive tackle, when you don't have a left tackle, and Patrick Mahomes is running for your life? So why are you calling that timeout? all right, fine, you gave us new life. We're going to execute. Two plays later, you get down by the goal line, Antonio Brown touchdown. So it's the fact of you use that no risk it, no biscuit mentality when you need to. It's not about playing to lose the game. It's about playing to win the game.
0: And one other thing I wanted to say, look at all of the other coaches that were watching the Super Bowl from their couch, whose weak and non-aggressive play calling was, the, was a lot of the main reasons why I believe they were there. Look at Mike Vrabel not going for it on a fourth and one against the Ravens. Look at Mike Tomlin not going for it on a fourth and one uh, against the Browns. Uh, Doug Peterson many times throughout the season punting for a tie. Like, you know, guys like that. You're right. And Matt LaFleur. Stefanski too. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski. Matt LaFleur in the NFC Championship game. How could I forget? Like, kicking that field goal. Like, you know, if no one ever said winning a Super Bowl was going to be easy. So, if you want to do that – you're going to have to take your chances and really put your head on the line. It's that hard to do.
1: Yes, sir. Well, um, might as well move on to the next topic that we got here. Um, All the Bears contenders – oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. What was that?
0: All the Bears contenders with Carson Wentz. Uh, Yeah, I'll start this one off here, Will. To be honest, man, I'm not 100% sure if they would be contenders with Carson Wentz or not. But what I will say is I think this is a move the Bears may just have to make because when I look at these quarterbacks out here, I don't know if there is going to be one better with a higher ceiling than Carson Wentz. And I'm not the biggest Matt Nagy fan, but one thing I will say is that he has never had an opportunity to draft and develop his own quarterback by choice. Mitchell Trubisky got there Before Matt Nagy was hired. So Nagy had no choice but to manage and deal with Trubisky. And you and I both know Mitch Trubisky just isn't good at football. So I do think that if you give Matt Nagy a guy like Carson Wentz, who is familiar with that system, and the fact being that if Nagy and Pace and Wentz, all three of those guys, if they don't win this season and the Bears just suck, there's a good chance that all three of those guys are gonna have new jobs next year, and this might be Carson Wentz's last chance to really be a good player in the NFL. Because that's how bad things were in Philadelphia. So if I'm the Bears, I, this might just be a move I may have to make.
1: Uh, Zach, I'm gonna have to. This is our first debate when it's just me and you here. We might as well kick it off, man. I gotta disagree. I, I don't think Carson Wentz make
0: the Bears, a Super Bowl contender, man. Um, well, I never I know... said that. I, I never said that. I never said a Super Bowl contender. I'm, I just said, if you're the Bears and your number one goal is to make the playoffs, I think this may just be your best move. Because if you can make the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky and go 8-8 eight eight with Mitch, if Wentz improves, you could go 9-7, and 10-6, right?
1: Yeah, I guess you could say that. You could go around there. You know, I guess you could put it like, when you put it like that, but... At the same time, I just don't know how much – what's the risk when you're taking on that contract? You know, it's a couple wins better getting into the wild card? Is that worth what you're going to give up to get a guy like Carson Wentz? And that's where I think we draw the line to – I'm on the other side of disagreeing a little bit because, look, I know Carson Wins had that great rookie year. Um, Last year was just so bad that it it almost makes me forget about what he did in that rookie year. Was that a little fluke? You've seen um, Nick Foles, who's on the Bears, won the Super Bowl that same year. I think it was that same year. they won the, Yeah, he won the Super Bowl that same year against Tom Brady, and Nick Foles is not a great quarterback. So was that a little – it was just Philly's year type of scenario where it was just the city of brotherly love. This is your year. It's written in the books. Go take it. Go receive it. I don't know. And last year, you know, cost of risk, I believe, records show that he was the quarterback that was – that took the most sacks last year. And I know a lot of people was like, oh, look at his offensive line, and that's fair. But some of it was Carson Wentz trying to play Superman when he should have just been, you know, getting the ball out or not taking that sack. So, you know, I don't know what Carson Wentz, man. This is a funny situation. But there's a reason why he hasn't been dealt yet. It's because teams are coming to the realization or coming to their senses that he's not worth a number one, a, no, a, a first-round pick, should I say, because he's not.
0: So let me ask you this. If you are Ryan Pace, the current general manager of the Bears, you are in a must-win season. You are the same guy that decided to draft Mitch Trubisky over Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It is a miracle you have a job right now. But somehow you still have a job, and you have one more season to really prove yourself. Considering who the quarterbacks are that may be on the market, if you're the Bears and you don't want to go after Carson Wentz, who would you think the ideal target would be if you're running Chicago?
1: Maybe a Sam Donald. Look really? over there with the Jets and see what's going on with them. If you can trade for a guy like Sam Donald. Now, look, we all know. I know why you said really, because I'm not yeah. the biggest Sam Donald believer out there. But Sam Donald is a young quarterback. Obviously, Carson Serentis is too. But I feel like Sam Donald could possibly, you know, we're in the right situation, be a little bit better. Carson Rince, on the other hand, yeah, he's a talented quarterback. We're not gonna sit here and say that, you know, he's a Mr. Biskey. He's obviously an upgrade, but I don't think it's worth that price, you know. And I think if Sam Donald – if Sam Donald's the same price as Carson Wentz, you go Carson Wentz probably, you know. But at the same time, man, look, if I'm the Bears, bro, it's it's a dice situation. situation, bro. No they doubt. are, they are.
0: Yeah,
1: it's just but, that. I um,
0: mean, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my thing is when you say. Uh, if Sam Darnold is in the right situation, I think he could really succeed. And I agree with you there, which is why I actually think the bears are the best fit for Carson Wentz. I agree that uh, when you say, oh, you know, giving up a first round pick, it's not ideal, but the good thing is it's what the number 16, 17 pick. It's not a top 10 pick. And at the same time, I just don't know where the bears could go from here because if you're Matt Nagy and you evaluate Carson Wentz, you know that he's familiar with the same offense that you run and you see that, okay, I like this guy. Maybe given a new situation in a new city with this defense, maybe we could just, you know, improve a little bit. And keep in mind, dude, the Bears were a playoff team last year. I don't think that Carson Wentz is going to have to be that much better than Trubisky if the Bears want to make the playoffs. So I think that, When you look at the Bears, I understand the point, like, oh, you would rather give up a third-round pick or a second-round pick for Sam Darnold than a first for Wentz. But we don't even know if the Jets want to trade Sam Darnold, to be honest, dude. I mean, what about Garoppolo? What about, you know, some other guys around the league that uh, you would possibly think would work in Chicago?
1: I mean, look, the list is not that great because there's a reason why the 49ers want to move on from Jimmy G. There's a reason why the Jets want to move on from Sam Darnold. And there's a reason why Philly, like, we – touched on want to move on from Carson of because they are not good like that. Like we, how we thought they was at some points in their careers. So on um, the bears are in a lose, lose situation. And yeah, maybe what you're saying is the absolute only answer there is maybe you go after a guy like Carson rings, but me personally, I just don't know if that's worth giving up future assets where he might not make. Well, here's, the thing the here's, the thing the
0: here's the thing though, Will, if you're, you have to look at it from being in the GM shoes so if you're Ryan Pace right and you are told by the owner of the Bears either make the playoffs or you're fired like I don't know how you can't bring in Carson Wentz unless you're bringing in Deshaun Watson bro like you know like
1: and like, if Carson Wentz doesn't work out then we're also looking at the ramifications for that too so it's I don't know it's it, you all right they don't want to lose lose situation I believe so if you want to go ahead and get Carlson some after how he looked last year and then go ahead.
0: But when you say they're in a lose-lose situation, like, yes. But at the same time, I don't – like, their defense is still really good. Like, like, their offensive line was super banged up last year. Um, David Montgomery is one of the better young running backs in the league. Like, I think with good quarterback play – in a weak NFC North, by the way, the Lions are going to be awful. The Vikings are very soft on defense. I think with that – Bears defense, they should expect to come in second place if Carson Wentz is their quarterback. And I don't think those are unreasonable expectations, you know? Like, y- you have to save your job. You have to do whatever you can to save your job if you're naggy and pace. So, it really just comes down to what quarterback do they think is the best option. They don't care about first-round picks because they're, all, they're, they're trying to save their job
1: yeah they're they trying to save their job and we got to see if Carson of win saves the bears franchise because look i think the bears are in a cursed situation because we all know what happened a couple years ago they passed on patrick mahomes they passed on deshaun watson and now they haven't been the same since they wasted a great defense where they could have won championships with so look i'm not you know disagreeing in the sense that maybe they have no choice but to go with the Carson of route i think you kind of misunderstanding that we're actually on that same page I just don't see, you know, I just think it's risky as well. I think it's risky, and I just don't know how much better he makes that team for where they want to go with that type of defense that could be a championship contender. But one thing's for sure. I think we both agree that Carlson a to the Colts actually may make the most sense in this whole scenario because of the relationship with Frank Wright. And you put me or you. As quarterback for the coast with those weapons and that whole team, we could win a championship or get to the championship. So I think that makes the most sense. But we have to see if
0: the Colts want to give up what they um, got to give up. I don't know if you saw the reports from over the weekend, dude. Apparently, Indianapolis hit up Philly and offered them uh, two second-round picks for Wentz, and the Eagles said no. So I think the Eagles are really hoping that they can land Wentz with a uh, for a first-round pick, but.
1: If you're,
0: Indiana, if you're Indianapolis, dude, one thing I will say like, if you're the Colts, are, do you feel comfortable giving up a first rounder? Because I think a guy like Sam Darnold would be more likely to succeed in a more quarterback friendly system like Indy than a place like Chicago.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree i i would agree with that i am not giving up a first round pick i'm just telling you that right now for, for Carson Wentz, that's not happening i i'd rather go with jacoby Brissett to be honest with you you know look i know he's not the flashiest guy but he won some games um a couple years ago when he had to you know before he got hurt people forget about that people make it seem like Brissett don't know how to play football he won a couple games when he had to before he got hurt so i'm not giving up. yeah exactly so i am not giving up a first round pick Second-round picks, all right, now we're talking, especially with the familiarity with um Frank Wright and Carson Wentz. But um right now the Eagles seem like they're some prices a little bit too high, and they're overvaluing Carson Wentz right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, two second-round picks, that was a very interesting offer. And then apparently the other offer was they offered Wentz straight up for the Bears' first-round pick, and the Bears actually said no. So I think we're starting to learn that other teams around the league are kind – they're agreeing with you, man. They don't think that Carson Wentz is really worth all that.
1: Yes, sir, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Last year, he looked, last year scared everybody. It scared everybody away. All those Carson wins, oh, he's gonna be the MVP of the league. You know, he's gonna be a Super Bowl champion. Last year, scored everybody watching football. That was a Carson Wentz believer, including my damn self.
0: All right, so we'll be moving on to the next topic coming up. Yes, sir. I feel like there's, I feel like there's never a time that goes by, my man, where we're not talking about the Houston Texans these days. Speaking a lot about Deshaun Watson, but there was some news over the weekend. J.J. Watt, his 10-year run in Houston comes to an end, and the Texans uh, decided to release him. So I'm going to start things off here, Will, and I wanted to say this, man. I think that it is not getting enough attention how inept the Houston Texans franchise is right now. Because let me ask you this. I think we could both agree. J.J. Watt can still play. He's not – 2014 MVP peak J.J. Watt, but he played in 16 games this year. He can still get to the quarterback, dude, which, as you saw in the Super Bowl, if you have some pass rushers, you could win some games. You could wreck some games. And my issue here is that the Texans decided to release him and not trade him. They couldn't get anything back. This is a team that has no assets. They don't have any first-round picks. And the reason why they decided to release J.J. Watt rather than trading him was because of the perception of the team. They wanted to make themselves look good because considering everything that's been going on with this Deshaun Watson fiasco, the Houston Texans are considered to be the laughing stock of the league. Hiring David Cully, no one knows who that is. And when you look at JJ Watt, they decided to cut him because they wanted to give him the ability to go to whatever team he wanted because he's, a God in Houston and rightfully so for everything he's done for the community. But man, like if I'm a Texan fan, the fact that you did that just to make yourselves look better and appealing to other free agents, like that just tells you all you need to know about the current state of the Texans. What a disgrace. The Texans is honestly the laughing stock in
1: sports in general right now. I mean, we can go on and on about their history, what they did with D hop, Um, listen out of the blue too. I remember that day. Like it was nothing. Um, Zach, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. I was on my phone. I turned on sports center and I heard that happen. I saw what they gave up for him. I was just like, are you kidding me? Like I just stand, I stood in front of the TV for like a half hour trying to process in my brain, the logical thinking with that whole trade. But, um, look, the Texans are going to continue to be the Texans and Obviously, we all know the situation, the other situation within the organization with Deshaun Watts, and we can touch on that another day. But with J.J. Watt, man, look, referring back to the question where I think he should play or where I think should be the best fit, I think there's a couple teams here. I would say the Titans are a team that come to mind. They need help with the defensive line. Uh, The Packers come to mind as well. But is between the Bills and the Browns and if you want a direct answer I would say the Browns simply because I do believe if you match up Miles Garrett and JJ Watt you can have JJ Watt playing inside you can have Garrett at the end uh, you you talk about those two right there oh my gosh and like you said in your opening statement Zach, you know JJ Watt probably is not that same guy that he once was obviously with age comes you know your body breaking down but also when you be in double team then of course you're not going to be the same ally Julio Jones he's double teamed on every play so when you combine that I think the Browns are the perfect fit number one because they are a championship contender last year they showed that they can go into the Steelers home field to beat the Steelers and give Kansas City a run for their money had a call went the either way they could have won that game and Played in the AFC championship game and they are better in the trenches than the Bills. So they probably would have, who knows, if they got to that game, they could have been playing in the Super Bowl. So if you want to go to a championship contender that is young, but at the same time, they're young, but they can compete, I think that's the perfect situation because they have a solid defense. It's not A spectacular defense is not terrible. They have Miles Garrett over there, and you can play with that guy, make your job more easier for you as well, and
0: still win games. I think that makes the most sense to me. Okay, let me throw this at you. I think that everything you said, very, very nice. But I think the whole key to this decision for J.J. Watt is what exactly does he prioritize? Does he really want to win a Super Bowl? He's probably made enough money. So I think that signing with a championship contender may just be the way to go. And I agree. Cleveland really had a nice season. But let me throw this one at you, Will. I'll throw two teams at you. This is my, the, the one that's coming in second place for me. How about the Buccaneers? I mean, why not? They have some pass rushers. Why not add to that monster group of guys? And if JJ really wants to win a Super Bowl, there's not a better place to go, right? Um, Zach,
1: look, I thought about that. I definitely entertained that. Obviously, me being a Tom Brady guy, when I heard the news, that's something that I directly said, all right, how we how can our team make this happen? So trust me, I definitely did my research on that. But when you talk about the upcoming guys that they got to pay, I mean, they're going to be having to pay well, a but lot what of if guys.
0: Watts says, But what if J.J. Watt says, bro, I've made enough money. All I want to do is win. I'll come for whatever. You're not going to say no to that, right? I
1: mean, unless he's coming for, for a ham sandwich and return, then I, if you want a ham sandwich pay, then right, right on. I think that would be logic. But I think he also do want to get paid some bit, not like you no know, cheap chump change. I think he wants to be able to compete and still get a decent payday. And I don't think okay. the Bucks can offer him that side
0: of okay. the contract. So that was my second team. But the first team that comes to mind is Kenny C's team, the Packers. And I think for Green Bay, this is – just from their perspective, forget about what J.J. Watt wants to do. I think that the Packers need to do whatever they can to sign J.J. Watt. And let me tell you why. Every year in the NFC, when we look at these contenders, we see the Buccaneers, we see uh, Seattle, we see, um, you know, the Eagles sometimes, over the last the Falcons over the last couple of years. Green Bay is always in that conversation, but they never come through. They never get the job done. Why is that? Well, they have a really good quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, but you and I both know that when it comes to being aggressive in not only games, but also the draft and in free agent markets, like they always say they're interested in signing big guys, but they never do. And, Will, you saw in Tampa Bay uh, guys like and Sue, guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, who have been in the league for a really long time that showed on another team they can make a significant impact. And now along with Tom Brady, everyone wants to come play for Tampa Bay, bro. I understand the weather is not great in green Bay, but why don't people want to come play for Aaron Rodgers? Like he won the MVP. If you bring in JJ Watt, I think considering the fact he's from Wisconsin, he grew up a Packer fan, you know, how much that franchise means to him. That's the team that could win. And I think if you bring in JJ Watt, maybe Green Bay becomes an even more attractive organization for other free agents to go to because I think they need to be more aggressive if they really want to win a Super Bowl by bringing in some more big-time players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with everything that you just said about um, J.J. Watt and going to the Packers, and the Packers' lack of aggression when it comes to pursuing those marquee free agents. You know, they're not a free agent-savvy destination. Total opposite of what the Rams do to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I'm in my top five, but I would say the bills come in second for me. And this is why the bills come in second place for me is because I do believe that the bills are another, like the Browns, a championship
0: contender and less harder division. I, well, yeah, I don't yeah, think. Let me ask you something though. Forget about the bills for one second. You do you think next year, in all honesty, the Browns have a better shot of winning the super bowl than the Packers? Winning the Super Bowl or
1: getting it, cause that's that's whatever, made. bro. If you're JJ
0: Watt, like, like you really think you have a better shot at, if you want to win a Super Bowl and that's your number one priority, you think you have a better shot of doing that in Cleveland than Green Bay? Like, I get they're improved, but like,
1: well, if I'm JJ Watt, to be honest with you, like I said, it's all about what he prioritized. So I'm not in JJ Watt's head, but to your question, if I'm looking at both teams, I don't think JJ Watt is going to make that. If you, if you want a direct answer. The Packers, I believe, have a better shot than the Browns, but I don't know if J.J. Watt is looking at it that way because they're both championship contenders. I don't think J.J. Watt is
0: like right, but, right, but there's this a is more
1: but, of a championship contender than right, this but, one,
0: right? I get it, but there's a there's a difference, bro. Like honestly, like they they had a great season, but like, could you really see the Browns winning the Super Bowl next year? Well, J.J. Watt could
1: look at the situation and be like, "All right, we all know the offensive side of the ball for Green Bay is their strong suit, but defensively." is there enough over there on that side of the ball that's attractive to me where, you know, I can go in there and won't have to take most of the load. Whereas with the Browns, I think their defense is a little bit more better and could be even better. and could be a bonus when you add JJ Watt to that equation. When you talk about Miles Garrett, that's a guy that you're play, playing with on the other side. So that's why I think that's a little bit more attractive. One more um, thing
0: I run by you before you mention the Bills? I think the exact comparison for J.J. Watt is Michael Strahan, considering the fact that they're both elite defensive linemen and I'm telling you now, J.J. Watt is going to make a lot of money after his football career. I could totally see him being in TV, he's got that kind of personality. And I think that's why his number one priority in terms of where he is going to sign is to be to win a Super Bowl and leave a legacy. He is a Hall of Famer. He All he is missing right now is that Super Bowl ring. We all know how special of a player he is. I think that considering how much money he's already made and considering how much money's coming in in the future, that winning is going to be his number one priority. And uh, yeah, let's hear about the Bills. And um, with the Buffalo Bills, man, I think
1: that, That's a team that is a championship contender, just like the Browns. Um, Say what you want. I thought they took a big step this year. And I think that's something, they have something that's sustainable for the next couple of years. I don't see within the near future, they getting worse, whereas they getting better. So I think he wants to go to a place where he's not looked at as, all right, I just joined a band, the bandwagon of a Buccaneers. In the Packers, yes, his main goal is to win a championship. But I do think he want to have that legacy of going to a young championship contender and getting them kinda over the hump. Even though we as the analysts could be like, J.J. Watt don't make you a Super Bowl winner. He makes you a better team. He's the player. He's going to be like, I'm that missing piece. So I think that the Bills, when he looks at that team, when he when you talk about the defensive side of the ball. they they they, when they lost to kansas city and kansas city blew them out in the afc championship game i thought a big proportion of that was that they wasn't good in the trenches you know they they wasn't able to affect the game at the line of scrimmage and you need to in in order to win and i think getting a guy like jj watt could definitely help that defensive line the secondary could get better they had injuries i still like your davis right i don't think he forgot to play football you got the other side of the ball they're up and coming they have a great loyal fan base i've been to a bills game before i wanted to play football because of the bills you know i was like look if i could have an opportunity to play for buffalo even though it's cold i would play they, they have a great fan base and i think he wants to be a, a part of something special when you talk about the texans and how they made him up like he was god go to buffalo you're gonna be made up even bigger than that
0: Just one quick thing. I think that's another reason why the Packers make a lot of sense. This is a kid that went to the University of Wisconsin. This is a kid that grew up following Brett Favre. There was a video clip I saw a couple days ago of, it was from two years ago, the Packers and the Texans actually had a little bit of a scrimmage in the preseason, and it was in Green Bay, and J.J. Watt had an interview, and he was saying how much uh, Green Bay meant to him. And as a kid, he would go to Packers training camp and see Brett Favre throwing touchdowns in practice. And the fact that he was playing there uh, meant a lot to him. And the fact that when you look at Green Bay, man, like, don't you agree? You see what I'm saying, though? Like, why isn't Green Bay more of a – why isn't Green Bay more of an appealing free agent destination? When you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a good young coach in LaFleur, Adams, like, wh- what's the deal? Well, I think
1: a part of it is that they're not, they're not willing to pay guys. So most guys, yeah, they want to get paid, you know, and I don't know if there was a a marquee free agent that was in their reach that was a guy that was just looking solely on championship contender, you know, without the aspect of getting paid. So I think it's their lack of aggression trying to pursue these guys. And obviously these guys are not trying to pursue them. So I think that's just what it is. But we have to see what happens with J.J. Watt going forward, and hopefully we get some news within the next couple of days, because as a football fan, we surely
0: need it. Oh, yes. Okay, moving on to the next NFL topic. Urban Meyer, the new first-year head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was in the news in his first real controversy as an NFL head coach, as he originally hired Chris Doyle, the former head uh, strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa, who was eventually dismissed for some racist allegations made by multiple players. Urban Meyer Then uh, decided to bring him in. The reaction, as we know, was awful. And then in the next 24 hours, Chris Doyle, it says he resigned, but I think we all know Urban was like, all right, dude, you got to go. So, Will, I'll throw it over to you. What do we think of this?
1: Oh, man, when it comes to Urban Meyer, I just think his motto is, listen, if you can coach, if you can play, no matter if you're a criminal, whatever you are. You're welcome on my team. That's basically what I think of this situation because we all have Google. We all can take our our time, take five minutes of our time out of our daily days to look up some of the guys he coached and some of the guys that he allowed into his program when he was in Florida, coaching in Florida and Ohio State. One guy famously that comes to mind, and there's a long list, I don't feel like being here all day, but there's a guy that comes to my mind, Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez, we all know, um if you don't know look it up you know he was involved in a lot of shady stuff i'm just putting like that i'm not going to say here the brothers passed away i'm not going to go through all his deeds but we all know what happened with aaron hernandez and you allowed him to be on your program so he's a guy that i just think he doesn't look at the side of code of ethics it's more of if you can help my team win if you can help my team coach no matter who you are criminal bank robber you know, whatever you are, you can be a lot of my franchise. And I think that in the NFL brother, yeah, it's not going to work like that. Because look, this is not college, brother, you are NFL coach. And just to look in that area for that guy with his background, I'm just over here scratching my head. Like what makes you want to hire him out of all people? Like why him, especially knowing with, you know, all the things in his background. So he's going to have to adjust to the NFL and how things are going to be going forward because it's not going to fly, brother. It's not going to fly at all. And I think he got his first taste of that
0: just now. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, man. I think that's a really good point when you brought up the differences between the NFL and college, because as crazy as this may sound, college head coaches have way more power in terms of their whole campus and the whole uh, entity opposed to an NFL coach who is reporting to an owner. Like, well, you know, Nick Saban could do whatever he wants at Alabama. Urban Meyer used to be able to do whatever he wanted at Ohio State. He had more pres- uh, more power than the athletic director. He had more power than the school president. He was that known. He was that well-liked by uh, the whole community because he was able to win. But being in the NFL now, as you said, you just have to know better. And this is really the first sign of adversity Hitting Urban Meyer. And I'm curious to see how he's going to be able to respond to that going forward because Urban Meyer is known for being the coach that takes losing the worst way. In the worst way, he quit or he retired from Ohio State uh, originally because he was having some medical issues. And that's when he was losing what, one game a year, maybe two in the NFL in with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, You'd be lucky to go 8-8 and even with Trevor Lawrence this year. So I think there are a lot of challenges, and this is just, once again, we all knew it was kind of a risky hire for Jacksonville, and this may just be the first uh, situation they're dealing with. Their owner, luckily, I thought, probably just sat Urban down and said, look, we can't have this, and luckily he was uh, knowledgeable enough to do that. But, um, once again, first real step that's going to hit Urban Meyer, and I'm curious to see how he responds going forward
1: yeah um this could be a disaster it could be innovative we have yet to see but it's not starting off good because like you alluded to urban is used to winning and there's not going to be a lot of winning at least in this foreseeable future with the Jacksonville jaguars maybe in the next two or three years they had the assets they had the cap space to flip it but we all know if you're using the cap and you're using the draft to build your team prepare to you know, go through the thick and thin. It's not going to be like that. Only getting free agents is how you're going to change it overnight. But if you're doing it through the draft. it doesn't have, always work, man, as you know. Exactly. It doesn't always always work. That's part of the risk. But you alluded to power. You just alluded to power when it comes to Urban Meyer. And I think this is a perfect segue to our next topic. Staying on that power term. Draymond Green called out the double standards in the NBA. Does Draymond Green have a point? And what I meant by power in this topic is that obviously we all know about player empowerment and obviously the way how organizations run their franchise. Zach, talk to me. What do you think about Draymond Green calling out double standards and obviously LeBron James last night co-signing what Draymond Green had to say?
0: Yeah, I actually think that Draymond brought up a really good point in this sense is that, I don't understand why we sit here and let coaches at any level, whether it's the NBA or college, just jump to the next job. I'll give you the perfect example, right? In college basketball, it's probably my favorite sport. In the mid-major ranks, if you win uh, your league and if you make a run in March Madness, if you're the head coach of Loyola Chicago, if you're the head coach of UMBC, any one of those schools, you are going to go to whatever power six school opens up. Literally any school will hire you for a lot more money and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but the NCAA is a perfect example of an entity that just is saying like oh our coaches are leaders of young men meanwhile they're just out here jumping for a job because they want more money and I think where Draymond has a point is that is happening in the NBA too when it comes to the- people other than players when it comes to coaches when it comes to general managers and them being criticized or complimented and i think when you look at draymond all he's saying is if coaches are going to be out here just looking for the next job and not giving 100 percent for the team why should players be out here criticized for voicing their same frustration if coaches are out here signing a five-year contract and if players are out here signing a five-year contract, why is it that if a coach wants to leave, everyone's like, oh, okay, uh, you could just, you know, go to a new level, like fine, no big deal. But if Draymond or another player wants to leave, he gets flamed for it.
1: There's a lot of dynamics that we can go into with this topic in itself. Um, obviously, when you talked about college basketball, you opened up a whole other branch that we can definitely dive into at some point. Because this is a very broad topic when you talk about sports and uh player empowerment and trying to take control of your destiny the one thing i would say is that i do agree with dream on in this side of perception you know um the world i'm not trying to get too deep philosophical here but we all know the art of perception me and you could be the same person but it's how i perceive you to be you know, we could think of like, but it's how I'm perceiving you to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's how I'ma think about you. With the players, when you got a lot of players that want to move, and they like, listen, this is not the right situation. They get perceived as, all right, he just wants to quit. Whereas, where you talk about an organization, when they're ready to move on from somebody, Ali, Andre Drummond, yeah, you're gonna be in street clothes, and you're gonna be on the bench in street clothes because we're looking to trade you by the deadline, by the NBA deadline. So it was all about the perception. You know, people with power, they don't be looked they're not looked at as the same way as a player with less power. When you're powerful, you look that differently compared to when you don't have power. So I do agree in that sense. But also, my problem that I have, and I guess you can call this the selfish fan in myself as a basketball fan is that I don't have a problem with God saying I want out. I definitely been in situations in my life with school where I transferred high school, college, and middle school. And it worked out better for me in the long run, right? But I just don't like the players saying, I want to go to the Lakers in Miami only. Now that's where we have a problem with myself as a fan because I don't I think that you should want to compete. At the end of the day, I don't think the NBA is a job. It shouldn't be treated as a job because you all getting millions for it. I'm pretty sure in a pandemic, everybody would want that job. So I don't have a problem with player movement. It's, uh more of where the players is going is going to. The situations that they're going to when you try to say, oh, LeBron James is the GOAT because he decided to play with Wade and then he decided to team up with Anthony Davis. So, all right, I'm looking at LeBron James as the GOAT. Perception, ladies and gentlemen, perception. So I think perception is a big thing here. But I do agree with Draymond in the sense that Guys are are looking at the owners a different way because they're allowed to do all this. But at the end of the day, Draymond Green, I gotta reiterate this to you, brother. They're the ones with the power. And the ones with the power get to create the perception that you want to change.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Perception and power, those are the two biggest words, I think, uh, in this conversation. And in an era of player empowerment, an era where players, especially in the NBA, let's face it, especially considering what happened with James Harden just wanting out. I think the NBA especially is starting to trend towards that kind of league, And I'm curious to see where it goes going forward, because I guarantee you, Will, there are going to be plenty of players like LeBron backing up Draymond and what he wanted to say. Because when you look at the Cavs and them holding out uh, Drummond, you look at the Pistons and what they're doing with Griffin, like as a player, I want to play basketball. Like I get it.
1: And another thing too, Even though, like, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, looking at all sides of the spectrum. I'm not disagreeing with Draymond. I'm agreeing partially, a a good proportional uh, amount, with Draymond Green's statement, Um, because I do think it's not fair. It's a bad look when you're telling somebody you can't play. Oh yeah, going, you know, being street clothes because we're looking to trade you. So we don't want you to get hurt, so you can ruin your stock. You want to play out. You want to play the ball. That's why you sign up for the sport. It's to play. But at the same time. Look at the other side. Football, you have no power at all. So the NBA, you do, to some degree, have a little bit more power than your football counterparts. Deshaun Watson asked for a trade, to, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Continue.
1: Deshaun Watson yeah, asked not, for a trade like a couple couple days ago, a couple weeks ago, a month now, two months now. And people are looking at him like there's something wrong with him, and we just touched on how bad of an organization the Texans are. You know, and he wants out of there, and some of these guys, these old vets are giving him backlash. So at the end of the day, I do believe that NBA players have a little bit more power than other entities, other sports, organizations.
0: Yeah, also not to mention, dude, when you're comparing the NBA and and the NFL, dude, like the NBA has guaranteed contracts. The NFL does not. So I don't know if that – you know, changes anyone's opinion on this topic at all. But I do think that standards and perception and power are all the the key ingredients here. But let's stay in the NBA, dude, because, Will, how about those New York Knicks, man? They're playing some phenomenal basketball, beating the Atlanta Hawks the other night in a big-time way. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and the boys getting the job done. But all of a sudden now, the Knicks are in the news because, okay, the trade deadline's coming up. We got some guys that could possibly be on the move. Bradley Beal, probably the best shooting guard in the NBA for my money. Zach Levine, an all-star player. Oladipo, a very good player. If you're the Knicks, Will, and you're a big Knicks guy, I'm a big Knick guy, but I know you've been waiting for this moment a little bit more than I have. Do you think the Knicks should go after one of those three guys?
1: Uh, it's dicey. It's dicey. <laughs> Let me first say that I'm so happy as a Knicks fan right now because – now I get to text my friends that yo don't bother me I'm occupied watching Knicks games again that's a great feeling knowing that I have something to look forward to every two days or whenever they play when I'm looking at the schedule or the Knicks game on today when was the last time I was able to say that with with joy you know now I get to do it with joy but um look Tom Thibodeau let me give him credit he has came and changed the organization now granted um, we all know Tom Thibodeau and how he performs with young guys. If you don't play, you're going to be in the doghouse. If you don't play defense, you will be in the doghouse. And obviously there were some questions with, you know, how would he develop these guys? But when you talk about where they at right now, the trade deadline coming up, I would say it depends on what I'm giving up and who I'm giving it up for. Now we're talking about Bradley Bill here. I do believe if you can give up a guy like, Mitch Robinson, R.J. Barrett. Now, granted, I know R.J. Barrett is talented, but sometimes he be having them boneheaded plays where he can't even make a layup to end the game, you know? So I wouldn't mind giving him up, Mitchell Robinson up, um, maybe another young guy because the Knicks got the assets to do so, and maybe some picks you throw along with Bradley Bill. All right, I'll do that deal.
0: Yeah, well, the good thing is is also is the Knicks do have some picks uh, that are not even theirs, the Mavericks picks. That is something, uh, as Knicks fans, we haven't been able to say in a while, I think in terms of the young guys, dude, um, I agree. I'd be willing to trade RJ. I'd be willing to trade uh, Mitch if we're getting a guy that good. But one thing I will say, Will, the I'm one guy. I'm not trading quickly, though. Yes. I'm not trading. We can not, yeah, we cannot. <laughs> it can happen. But what about Obi Toppin, dude? Let me ask you about him. If he is the guy that uh, could be what puts the deal over the top, would that be something you'd be willing to deal?
1: Yeah, I would deal with him for Bradley Bell. For Bradley Bill and maybe a Zach. Maybe a Zach Levine. But, um, yeah, I would do so because, look, Obi Toppin, I believe, obviously, I'm not going to use this little catalog to change my perception of him. He's a great, you know, he will be a, a, a talented player. But at the same time, we don't see guys his size at his position really affect the championship-level squad. You know, like a Zion. Like, Zion is talented, but I can't see Zion winning a chip unless he's playing with somebody else. So I don't look at Obi Toppin as this, major piece that we need to have in in order to win a championship so if i can play him in the deal for a bradley bill i'll do so because ladies and gentlemen look i'm not the most gambling guy out of out of this equation you know um but at the same time it is the nba it is a star driven league and if you want to win championships which should be your goal at the end of the day to so win a championship i think that you acquire bradley bill think about this zach the Nets, when they got Kevin Durant and they got Kyrie Irving, they had to build from the ground up, which took years. And when they got to the first round, they showed that they can compete. And that's what that was the attractiveness for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to go there. Now, let's say you make a deal for Bradley Bill, right, Irams? You make a deal for Bradley Bill, and you go into the playoffs, and you compete. You have a star there. So why wouldn't another star at some point wanna tag along? If they can tag along to the Nets that didn't have a star, you have a star in Bradley Beal. Oh, by the way, you're in yeah. the market. Yeah, right? so let me
0: throw this, bro. you say Bradley Beal's a star, I'm gonna raise it a step further. I think we got two stars if we get Bradley Beal, cause Julius Randle is playing yeah. that yeah. good a basketball, man. That is a guy I feel comfortable leading my team. And I agree, man, you know better than anyone. When the Knicks are good in New York City, it's popping. It's different. It's a different kind of atmosphere. And especially when you consider the fact that Knicks haven't been good in so long. If you could get a guy like Brad O'Beal, I agree 100%. For the first time in a while, maybe New York and the Knicks could be a place where free agents really want to go.
1: Exactly. And not to mention, Derek Rose, at first when that move was transpired, I'm going to be honest with you. I was one of the people that thought that Emmanuel quickly wouldn't have developed so quickly, you know? I, I was like, all right, he's the odd man out. He's being affected, but Derek Rose is actually taking on that leadership role, that vet role that I've been here before. I I played in this league for the, how many years I played in this league, and now I'm gonna be more of a willing pastor. I still got that burst of speed where I could get to the rack, but it's not all about me getting to the rack. It's about me, you know, coaching Emmanuel quickly, like we see him coaching him on the floor as well. And I just like what I'm seeing with the Knicks. I think this team is definitely a playoff team. I don't know how farther in the playoffs we are gonna go, but if we can use this opportunity to cash in, it's like that money in the bank in wrestling. You know, you cash it when you see this, the right opportunity. And right now is the right opportunity. You make a deal for for Bradley Bell. You know, you, you take advantage of that because the Wizards are not gonna give him up for nothing. Bradley Beal is a talent. He's a superstar in the making. So you make that deal. You give them what you need to give them. Not manual quickly, but if you can give them Mitchell, um, RJ, a couple picks, maybe another, you know, Alfred Payton. All right, fine. Go there, to OB, Top, and I. Fine. We bring in Bradley Beal. We show that we can compete, and we show that we are deserving of free agents, superstars,
0: to come and play for the New York Knicks. Well, one other thing I'll say with this is that no one, in a very similar way to football, no one ever said winning a championship was going to be easy. And especially when we're talking about the Knicks, bro, it's baby steps. You know, let's just make the playoffs first and we'll see what happens. And I think this year, considering the fact, as you said, taking advantage of the opportunity of a shorter season, 72 games, taking advantage of the COVID season where we know, dude, not every team is going to be ready to play every night. There are going to be plenty of nights where you just don't want to play considering the fact that the bubble went all the way into September, considering the fact that you're traveling a lot and all these protocols that the players are probably think are just so annoying by now. And I think the Knicks have done a really nice job feeding off of the personality of Thibodeau and that mentality of, No matter what the day is, no matter what time it is, we are going to come ready to play each and every night. And I think the Knicks, unlike a lot of other teams in the NBA, are doing a nice job taking advantage of this opportunity.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's right times as a Knicks fan. I'm sitting here with a big fat smile on my face right now because the Knicks are showing me life. And they're showing me that they're trending in the right direction. I just hope that we are able to
0: capitalize at some point off of that. So moving on to the last and final segment of today's show, let's go back into the NFL for a bit, and I wanted to start this one off, my dude. The Steelers have said they are non-committed to Ben Roethlisberger as their starting quarterback, and I have two main takeaways from seeing this. Number one, I'm really surprised because the Steelers, for the last 15 years, have been as loyal as ever to Big Ben and considering their history in that organization of never willing to fire a coach and never willing to change a quarterback, never willing to you know, hire a new GM, like that team is not very willing to make changes. And the fact that they have said they're not committed to big Ben, I'm very surprised by that, but I will say, I think it is the right move. I think we saw in the playoffs last year, especially in that game against Cleveland, it was a good run for big Ben, but if he comes back to Pittsburgh, what's the point? I think that team's ceiling is 9-7. and seven. If they get lucky, maybe the defense improves. I know they, they got banged up towards the end of last year. But I think the Ben Roethlisberger era of him being a winning quarterback in Pittsburgh, unfortunately, is over.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I am not surprised. Even though you alluded to the fact that they've been loyal to Ben Roethlisberger, if you saw the year that he had last year, including the playoffs, where he played like dog shit, I'm not surprised either. You know i won't be surprised because he he looked that bad now look i would say this when we had our debates on the show back when kenny c and Cam was on and yourself zach and myself i thought that we was kind of being a little bit unfair with how we split who was to blame with regards to ben weathersberger and mike tomlin i think this was a lot of on the show a lot of more mike tomlin a more Mike Tomlin situation, why he didn't, why they didn't, you know, advance into the playoffs, why they started undefeated and didn't end that way. Um, I ended in a total disaster, but look, Bruce Arians, let's go back to Bruce Arians real quickly here. So I can mash this point together. Bruce Arians, we thought that his current style wasn't going to be built, wasn't going to be sustainable with the McVeighs and uh, Matt LaFleurs, but it took the quarterback, to change that perception, we talked about perception, change that perception of Bruce Arians. So the quarterback is the most important player on your on your team. It, it is what it is. Bill Belichick, how does he look without Tom Brady? He don't look that great. How did he look before Tom Brady? Ah, that's up for debate. So you need a quarterback. And I don't care who you are as a coach. Mike Tomlin is more accomplished enough that I still think he can coach. But it falls back into your quarterback. I thought Big Ben this whole year looked like he was playing with a hospital gown on in that pocket, like he just came from the hospital Hospital with an IV on. He didn't look great. He looked like he was holding the team back. And I'm saying to myself, Ben, if you know, yeah, you want to play football, you love the sport, but your body is telling you another, retire. And people was like, oh, Lil, you harsh. Why would you say Big Ben needs to retire? Because your body is going to talk for you. The offense changed because of Big Ben. They wasn't able to take these deep shots. They was intermediate, not because that's how they wanted to run the offense. It's because Big Ben could have sit in the pocket and throw the football down the field like he once did at one point in his career, which obviously affected the running game as well. So obviously I think Big Ben is holding that Steelers team back. And if they want to get back into that crack of being a championship contender, they need to move on from Big Ben And I think. Big Ben himself needs to sit back and evaluate his career. Maybe it's time to hang up them cleats, brother, because, yeah, you are a great quarterback. You were a great quarterback. We all know that you're decorated and what you did for the sport, you know, debatable where you rank all the time. But I think right now he needs to evaluate his career. I think the Steelers are making the right decision in hindsight of considering moving on from the brother.
0: Well, I got to tell you, man, the more and more I look at the situation, and I understand it's the offseason. I haven't really gone over all 32 teams yet and what exactly their plan should be. But, man, like, more and more I look at the Steelers right now, I think that they should consider maybe just blowing this whole thing up. And what I mean by that is, like, their quarterback is, as we agree on them, he's not good right now. He's not a guy that could lead you to a championship. But, like, dude, we watch that Steelers offensive line, and these are guys, like, we grew up watching – knowing they were very good. DeCastro, Villanueva, Pouncy. Pouncy retired. DeCastro was heavily declining. Ramon Foster retired. Villanueva did not have a very good season. On the defensive side of the ball, I understand they were ravaged by injuries, but Bud Dupree is not going to be a stealer next year. Devin Bush comes back next year. Hopefully he'll be 100% and ready to go, but you don't know if he's going to be the same player. And besides T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, I don't really know if those two guys alone could do it all by themselves. And my thing is this, Lil, we forget Dwayne Haskins is in Pittsburgh right now. The more and more I look at the situation, like, I think if I'm the Steelers, I might be willing to give the kid a shot if he's ready to earn it.
1: Yeah, I, I would entertain that as well. Obviously, we all know Dwayne Haskins' situation. But um, he's still a talented quarterback. He may not be what we once thought when he was coming out of Ohio State. But um, he can learn and he can grow. And I think that would be a route that I would rather take right now at this point in time than – walking with a banged up Ben Rottlisberger who's putting limitations on the offense that I want to run that could be sustainable because he's putting limitations over what the Steelers can do. And obviously defenses know how to prepare for that and know how to beat you at some point. So it showed last year. And um, I would just say this to end this off, when you look at Eli Manning, when you look at Drew Brees team, you know, quarterbacks that were decorated that won championships they team, at some point, moved on. Obviously, the Saints, we all know what's going on with Drew Brees right now, but I think Drew Brees knows that his time is coming. Like, you know, he should retire at some point because he's he's not the same. You know, he can't throw the ball down the football field. So Drew Brees, um, Sean Payton can't be as creative offensively. Whereas if you rock with Winston, now you got a guy with a strong arm that could open up a whole lot of big things for that offense with New Orleans. I think they're still going to be a, a contender um, with Winston because of that. So, yeah these guys are great you know they're experienced so you tend to hold on to them a little bit longer because they've been there before they've been there done that but at the same time with age comes a lack of limit um with age comes limitations on what you can do on the football field and i think that's what we saw with eli um, and the Giants obviously moved on. And I think the Steelers need to do the on same thing. Obviously Tom Brady is not in this category because he don't want himself another championship, but not every guy is Tom Brady. Let
0: me ask you this though, before we close this out. So if you're the Steelers, we're on the same page. Big Ben isn't the answer, but when you look at the rest of this team besides quarterback and the fact that I think, look, they play in the AFC North, the Ravens are only going to get better or at least attempt to get better. You mentioned Cleveland. Hopefully Cincinnati will take a step forward. Like, who, if you're the Steelers and Big Ben isn't your quarterback, where do you go from here? Because I think Dwayne Haskins might just be the way to go. Like, hes I would assume he's hopefully better than Mason Rudolph. He'll be, hopefully be able to beat him out. But I just don't know if this team right now, like no matter who their quarterback is, is in a position to win. And that's a big problem. Juju is probably out the door as well. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Pittsburgh is going to be an under 500 team next year, no matter who their quarterback is. I'm confident
1: Yeah, I'm confident in that, too, because like you alluded to, the Ravens are a good team. They will get better. Yeah, we know about the playoff roles, but we're not talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the regular season. you got to get into the playoffs. you got to get into the dance, and I think the Ravens are good at doing that. As far as when they get there, that's a whole other topic. The Bengals with Joe Barr, we saw the year that he had the steps, the flashes that we saw. It can only get better once they continue to build that offensive line and that team around him. They will get better um, probably a couple years away, but they still will be competitive. Well, hell, they beat the Steelers last year without Joe Burrow. what makes you think they won't do the same with Joe Burrow? So, yeah, the Steelers are in a bit of a limbo, but it is what it is. How low can you go? I don't know. The Steelers is going real low right now.
0: Yes, sir. But anyways, Will, just wanted to say it was a great show. Always good talking sports yes, with you, my yes, guy. And I look forward to doing this again, whatever that may be. All right?
1: Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. Like and subscribe. And Zach, until next time, my brother. Yes, sir. My guy. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir.